Okay, so today we're talking about uh, Charlotte Moon, who's also known as Lottie Moon. I think maybe I've talked about her before because I really like her. Um, but she was a missionary in China. Uh, she, became, she arrived in China in 1873 and remained there for the rest of her life, which was 40 more years. Um, and she was, uh, she, she was quite a pioneer for both uh, women missionaries and single missionaries. Um, and she uh, blazed a path for both of those types of people to kind of take over the mission field, which, which in many ways they have. The mission field is dominated by single women, actually. Um, but uh, at one point in her, in her missionary career, she, d- she felt called to start a new mission station uh, inland in China. No one else uh, was available to go, so she just decided to do it by herself, which was very rare for someone to start a new mission station by themselves, and she was the first woman to ever do it by herself. Um, but this is, this is she decided to go anyway. She felt called by it, but she, in a letter written during her first winter at this new place, she wrote to her supporters this, I feel my weakness and inability to accomplish anything without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Make special prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Ping Tu, that I may be clothed with power from on high by the indwelling of the Spirit in my heart. And so she recognized this need she had for the leading of the Holy Spirit, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so later in the spring, uh, she was able to write to her supporters this. um, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this was her experience. She says this, As you wend your way from village to village, you feel it is no idle fancy that the master walks beside you, and you hear his voice saying gently, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. And the soul, the soul makes answer in the words of St. Bernard, the holy man of God, Lord Jesus, thou art home and friends and fatherland to me. Is it any wonder that as you draw near to the village, a feeling of exultation comes over you, that your heart goes up to God in glad thanksgiving that he has so trusted you as to commit to your hands this glorious gospel that you may convey its blessing to those who still sit in darkness? When the heart is full of such joy, it is no effort to speak to the people. You could not keep silent if you would. What does one care for comfortless inns, hard beds, hard fare, when all around is a world of joy and glory and beauty? And that was a world that she saw by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think someone's going to come and read. The first scripture reading is from Exodus 13, 17 to 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearby. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went out before them, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. 
The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The second reading is from Exodus 33, 7 to 14. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. When Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with, excuse me, with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hitchcock, one of the elders here. It's an honor to speak to you about God's Word, specifically the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this series, Get Out, where we think about freedom, what it really means to get out and have freedom. Can I ask you a question about vacations? What, what is the best vacation you've ever had? No, what is the most restful vacation you've ever had? Just think about it for a sec. What's the most restful vacation you've ever had? Now, you might be thinking about that time you went to that all-inclusive resort, and you just ate for five days straight, and you sat there at the pool and did nothing. Or maybe you're thinking about the staycation where you decided to binge watch The Good Place, and you gained 27 pounds from Cool Ranch Doritos, and it was awesome. Good for you. But I wonder if you think about it more deeply, if you would say the most restful vacation you've had is one that had some adventure. It was a vacation where you dared to step out into an adventure, and one where you had some kind of guide. That is, you received some sage advice first, either through a friend or a guidebook, or perhaps through an actual physical guide who led you. And with that kind of adventurous, guided vacation, you came back a little tired, right? But weren't you brimming with energy? You brought that back home to your work, full of energy because you had had that guided adventure. Because when that balance comes together, you end up having a truly restful journey. Like this guy right here. Paul is our patron saint this morning. Paul and Andy, where, where did you go? Heaven? Like, Canada, I think, is, is where they went. Look, look at that smile. Getting out there. 
as I understand it, though, it wasn't like they just sort of wandered off the trail for days to find this. They were guided to some beautiful spots up in the Canadian Rockies. It's a picture of a man experiencing good rest. Now, by contrast, you may have heard of a guy named Chris McCandless. His is really an American story of restlessness. I really like this story. Uh, it's a book called Into the Wild. Have you read this or, or seen the movie Into the Wild? Fascinating guy, Chris McCandless. He bounced all around the U.S. He even uh, was here in South Dakota, I think in Carthage for a while. But he would always move on because he was a tramp. In fact, he called himself Alexander Supertramp, and he left in his journal and various places that he scrawled things, uh, really kind of amazing, pithy observations about what it means to live this adventurous life. And so lots of people fell in love with Chris McCandless. But here's the thing, like he could not sit around for long, and he kept on defying friends and family, living so independently that he refused to be in relationship. And he would write things like this, Speaking of himself, two years he walks the earth, no phone, no pool, no pets, no cigarettes, ultimate freedom. An extremist, an aesthetic voyager whose home is the road. You know, and, and, and if you're a true American, you, you resonate with that on some level. Absolute freedom. But here's the thing, McCandless ended up in Alaska he wanted to have that ultimate adventure in freedom. He hitchhiked up there where he wandered into the bush and tried to make it as a survivalist, living in an abandoned bus. And his journal's fascinating. It reads like a rough-hewn Henry Thoreau with fascinating insights about the longing for this ultimate freedom. And I'm sorry to give you the spoiler here, but I have to for the sake of the sermon. McCandless did not do well. In fact, 113 days into his adventure in Alaska, he died of starvation. And it's a little unclear why, that's part of the mystery, but he did not make it. In fact, while McCandless continues to be a folk hero to a lot of people, in that he went after this endless horizon, there's something tragic about his story. It's more than just his death. It's that his adventure for this endless horizon feels so aimless and even when he does find these moments of happiness out in the wild, there is this nagging sense of loneliness in him. Tellingly, one of the notes he left simply read, happiness only real when shared. He knew this. He knew he needed a community, and he knew that he needed a guide, but he couldn't say yes to that. McCandless' story is one without a guide and one that starts and ends in restlessness. Well, folks, what we're finding in this series called Get Out is that if we want to enter into rest, we have to trust God as our leader. We cannot take ultimate control of our own autonomous lives. We have to trust God's word and we have to trust that he knows what he's doing when God leads us. And what I want to share this morning is building on that, to share this idea that the truly free, truly restful life is one that's led by the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Spirit's leadership to find rest? Because the Spirit guides and abides so well. And in fact, I want to make seven observations about 
our, our text this morning. Why seven? Because it's biblical. Um, and because I couldn't boil it down anymore, sorry. Seven points, seven observations about our text this morning about the Holy Spirit who is the pillar. Let me just say a couple things here by way of introduction. When you notice the pillar there in the story of Exodus, it is leading towards freedom. God gives this pillar to lead the people, taking them from slavery in Egypt all the way to freedom in the wilderness and then ultimately into the promised land. It's a giant pillar in the sky. It doesn't say exactly how giant, but it had to be giant because we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. They can see this pillar of cloud by day, and at night it looked like like this, fire. So you can imagine how big and terrifying that would be. And, and I want you to understand this right away, that the pillar in the sky was not just an object. The Bible makes clear the pillar in the sky was God himself. God the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches this in Exodus 32, 34. The Israelites are told that the messenger of the Lord will go before you. And again, in our passage here in 13, verse 18, it says straight out that God led the people. Not, not just a pillar leading the people. God himself led the people. So the pillar was more than just a pillar? Yeah. Isaiah 63, 13 says, Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. The pillar gave them rest? No, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. And here's where I'd want us to, to, to make sure we understand the Holy Spirit's leadership style. You know, we talk about this in leadership circles. We go, like, what's your leadership style? How, how do you direct people? How do you interact with people? How do you guide a team? And there are different styles out there. There's not one right style, I'm saying. But I think the Holy Spirit has his own style, and we want to be attentive to it. Because it really is the right leadership style for the ultimate leader, who is the Holy Spirit. And if you want to get to know God, you should know some things about him in his leadership way. And the first thing to know is just the Holy Spirit leads. I mean, like leads, leads. And, and the first thing to notice about this passage is, is kind of obvious, that the pillar is in front of the Israelites. The pillar is there in front of the Israelites. It's leading them. It's not Moses out front or Aaron or Miriam. No, it's the pillar, God himself. Chapter 13, verse 21 says, the Lord went before them. The pillar doesn't tag along behind the Israelites. It doesn't mingle in the middle of all the tents. It was at the very forefront. The Holy Spirit is actually leading. The way I was taught is, um, if you want to know if you're a leader, look behind you to see if anybody's following. Because by definition, the leader is out in front and then has followers behind. So the Israelites knew they had a direction because of this leadership. They didn't always like the leadership. They didn't always like the direction. But they could look forward to the adventure before them because the Lord, like that good trail guide, went before them. Look at verse 21 in chapter 13. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. The Holy Spirit leads. But a second point, the Holy Spirit leads as the Lord. 
When the Holy Spirit leads, he does so as God himself. Uh, We have some creeds here that we think really summarize the Bible really well. One of them is called the Nicene Creed, and it says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son, he's worshipped and glorified. This is the teaching of Scripture, that the Lord is the Spirit, that, that, the, that this pillar who is the Holy Spirit is leading as God himself. Uh, you may have caught this earlier when Dave was preaching on Ananias and Sapphira. Remember when they lie, Peter says, you have lied not to men, but to the Holy Spirit who is God. And so here it is, this spirit who's leading them into freedom is God himself. And when he leads and when he gives instructions, they are instructions that are to be obeyed. Very simply obeyed, not quibbled with. Because here's the problem, folks. You've been talking to Siri for too long. Right? You have your personal assistant. And you're like, Siri, how do I get to the pizza ranch? Right? And Siri will tell you. And your personal assistant, you, you, you give instructions, and then, then she, why is it usually a she? It's not always a she. My friend actually has like a, kind of an Australian dude, which freaks me out. I have another friend who has Cookie Monster as his personal assistant, which cannot go well for you, right? But the Holy Spirit is not Siri. The Holy Spirit is not your personal assistant. And when the Holy Spirit makes a command and says, this way, you follow Do not expect the Holy Spirit to say like, hey, how about over there? You you think over there would be a good idea? Oh, you guys want to go to Pizza Ranch instead? Okay, that's okay. No, it's not how it works. The Holy Spirit leads as the Lord. Not domesticated, but the Spirit of God, wild and free. Notice where the Holy Spirit is in this passage. The Spirit is the pillar of cloud and flame up in the air. And even when it descends, notice that the pillar does so. I'm looking at 33 verse 7. The pillar descends outside the camp. Likewise, in verse 9 of that chapter, the Spirit meets with Moses, but at the door of the tent. What I want you to see here is that the Spirit is the Lord, holy and separate. The Spirit is not domesticated inside the campground. The Holy Spirit is out here or up in the air, which signifies we are dealing with the Lord himself, the holy God. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I imagined the pillar as being kind of smallish, honestly, and like a, uh, a fun cumulus cloud, you know, like cotton balls up in the air. And I guess I see it different now. I think that the, the pillar was probably much more like a tornado. And, and I mention this in part because a couple of times in Scripture, the pillar is called the finger of God. That's in uh, Exodus 8, 19 and... 31, 18. In fact, Jesus also mentions the finger of God as the Holy Spirit. And, and I can say, I think I've seen the finger of God. I was driving out to uh, Iowa one time, and I saw a tornado, only tornado I've seen in my life. And it looked like God's finger was just down, carving. It was beautiful and terrifying. How many of you have seen a tornado? Right? 
okay? It's, it's, it's beautiful and terrifying. Some of them are very diffused, but this one was just like a finger. Amazing. I think that's what the Israelites were following. I can't prove it, but I think it looked more like that. Accordingly, when the pillar moves in your life, this tornado of God, it's not making a suggestion. The Spirit isn't guiding with weak-willed ideas. The Holy Spirit is saying, this way. When the Spirit moves, you pay attention because he guides as the Lord. Which leads to a third point. The Holy Spirit leads in ways not entirely predictable. Now, to be clear, the Holy Spirit is consistent in some ways. Charity, thank you for singing uh, Be My Guide, right? Uh, Through the ages, you never change. We can say that of the Holy Spirit. He's always good. He always loves you. He will always point to Jesus. He will never contradict what he has previously said in his inspired word, the Bible. But we also know of the Holy Spirit, Jesus teaches us this, that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He will surprise us when it comes to the exact direction. The wind blows where it wishes, Jesus says, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. That's how it is with the Spirit. And in our present text, notice this. God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. That's 13 verse 17. Again, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. I was curious about this, so I checked it out. It turns out about 300 miles. If you do a beeline from Egypt all the way up to Israel, about 300 miles, how long do you think it would take a group of people to walk 300 miles? I mean, it depends how aggressive you're being. I know some of you run marathons here. You're crazy, but okay. But even if you do 10 miles a day, that's 30, 20 miles a day, you could get there in a couple weeks. So they could have done that. And you'd think the Holy Spirit would want to be economical. So here you go, right up there, right up to Israel. It's not the case. The Holy Spirit surprises the people. It says that they were led down by the sea a circuitous route down around the Sinai Peninsula. goes like this. I think it took over 40 days, if my count's right. They took the scenic route. Well, why does the Spirit choose this surprising route? Well, it actually says there in our text, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. If they had gone right up, you know, the gut, they would have run into the Philistines. They would have been, they'd have to fight some wars, and they'd be like, forget it, we'll just go back into slavery. So the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing by taking them in this weird, circuitous route. And you go, why, why, Spirit? But the Spirit knows what he's doing. It was harder to trust that when the Spirit said, you know what, you're not ready to enter the land. Let's, let's do this path. For 40 years, the pillar leads them for 40 years in a circle. The Holy Spirit will surprise you what he's doing. Can I just say something about the vision process? So the listening team has been working on this, listening to you, listening to God, gathering things together. 
Um, I can tell you that we have some initial elements. We are wordsmithing them and putting them together into a first draft. We're going to run it by the staff, then we're going to run it by the elders, then we're going to run it by you. You'll get a chance to speak to it one more time. Can, can I just sort of give you an initial report? There's some surprising stuff in there. I, there's a number of things in there I did not see coming at all. So I'm going to take this as a Holy Spirit surprise moment. Where the Holy Spirit wants to guide us collectively is some places that we had not planned out yet. And praise the Lord because this, folks, remember this. Back in 2016, we did the same thing, and there were some really surprising things back then too. We're like, really? And guess what? They came true. The Holy Spirit guided us places we didn't know. We certainly weren't meeting in this building back in 2016. And there were many more things that have come to pass. So we have a good record here trusting the Holy Spirit. We can do it again, even though he might surprise us. Here's a fourth point. The Holy Spirit leads in ways that may inconvenience you. (laughs) This is related to it. Right? If the Holy Spirit surprises you, he's going to inconvenience you. Notice in 13, verse 21, that the pillar takes two forms, cloud by day and fire by night. Why? That they might travel by day or by night. Uh, some commentators suggest this is because armies used to follow like a smoking pan of, of coals that would make smoke or even be a fire, so like a whole army could follow day or night. So the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing, just on a much more dramatic scale. That's kind of cool, but think about what that means. (laughs) That means you're putting the kids to bed, you're settling in for the night, and then the alarm rings, they're like, hey, the pillar's moving, gotta go. And you're like, really? I just had my chamomile tea. Nope, get going. I don't know if, if anyone who likes to be woken up in the middle of the night or told that the pillar of fire is moving right as you're settling down, but that's how it worked. Family, I can tell you that um, it was not Olivia's plan to deal with cancer twice. Um, it was no one's plan here along the way to spend long nights with Olivia thankful for Kara, who was there frequently with Olivia, including there at the end when she passed away. It, was nobody's, it wasn't Charities or Dave's or anybody else who, who cared for Olivia. It wasn't your plan. That, we didn't have a plan here, but the Holy Spirit knew. The Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. And while we still grapple with the news of her death, we still believe this, knowing that his guidance has been there to shape the genuineness of our faith, which 1 Peter 1, 7 says, which is more precious than gold. He was shaping Olivia. He was shaping us. That's not convenient, but the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He's a good coach, and he knows what is good for you, ultimately. He will train you and lead you toward eternal life. The leadership of the pillar will lead you in a good direction. He will give you a purpose. The Holy Spirit is, to paraphrase Karl Barth, the resurrection forward march of the church. 
me pause here and say, um, I have not been as good of a leader as the Holy Spirit at times. Uh, a few years ago, my family and I, we went to Montana to the Beartooths. What a gorgeous area. Had some amazing discoveries out there. And along the way, we're going up this, this path, up this mountain of sorts. And our family's walking up, and this couple walks down, and they say, hey, just so you know, there's a bear up ahead. Hope you brought your bear spray. Now, I did not bring any bear spray, but Christina did. In fact, I was shaming her for spending way too much money on this silly thing that we would never use. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you're brilliant. Thank you. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. And we came up with this plan uh, that Z and I, we'd be the manly men, and we would go and march up ahead to take on the bear with the idea that we could scare it off or spray it or in the event that it attacked us and killed us, at least it could eat one of our bodies while the other three got away. And the women folk, they could hang behind so they wouldn't get mauled, and there you go. We're kind of, you know, being safe and all, or whatever. And I'm like, it's okay, got this. I'll lead the way, me and my bear spray, looking for the bear. Well, this is what happened. We didn't see a bear. And then we hear this screaming behind us, Z and I do, this yelling and screaming. We're like, what is going on back there? We realize, oh, it's Christina and Eden. And we, we look, and we can't even see them. So we kind of walk back there. And they're like, hey, hey. We're like, what? And they're like, what are you doing? We're like, we're leading. They're like, it doesn't help you to lead that far up ahead if the bear wraps around and eats us back here. I was like, oh, yeah. I guess that could happen. If you want to enter rest, if you want to have that restful adventure, it's not just enough to lead. You have to lead with a sense of presence. Which is why point five is really, really important. The Holy Spirit leads without leaving behind. The Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you and say, this way, but the Holy Spirit will not leave you. You may have been abandoned by somebody else, but the Holy Spirit will not leave you. You know, if the Holy Spirit simply guided and directed, we might start thinking of his leadership as strictly demanding, like he is some kind of taskmaster, like he is a slave owner just like the Egyptians were. But no, the, the same spirit loves us and stays with us. He is near and he is kind. Where he guides, he abides. Oh, I should have called the sermon that. Oh, where he guides, he abides. Where he guides, he abides. Remember that the Holy Spirit is God's own presence. God wants to be present to his people. So he says in 33, 14, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. People, God says to you this morning, my presence will go with you. Presence is a Hebrew word that can be translated face just as much as presence. God will be present to you. He will be in relationship with you. He wants to be there with you. To reveal himself, to connect with you. The connecting piece is really important. In fact, I'd say it's the key to understanding who the Holy Spirit is and his personhood. The person of the Holy Spirit is God the connector. 
He connects heaven and earth. Think about the pillar. Why is the pillar like this? Because he connects heaven and earth. He connects. That's his business. He connects. Pillar of cloud, of course, because heaven comes down to earth. And fire, well, remember in the Bible how fire shows up. Fire is the sign of God's presence. The burning bush, presence of God in the tabernacle, etc. And so we read here in verse 22 of chapter 13, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Holy Spirit never departed, never took a break. He was always there. So the Holy Spirit abiding means he will not leave you. He is present, especially in grief, but always. And where he is present, there God is. Which is to say, point six, the Holy Spirit leads to rest. He leads you to rest. He leads me to rest. As hard as the Spirit may drive you, it's there to lead you to rest. The great church victorious shall be the church at rest, says that great hymn. And the Holy Spirit we found, we find there in Exodus, he leads towards Canaan. And that's where the people settle eventually, the land of milk and honey. It's going to be true for you too, that the Lord is leading you through this age. But in the age to come, he's going to give you resurrection. He's going to give you the new world. All those who believe in Christ will experience full healing. But I tell you, even now, you can begin to experience his rest. Even now, you can be secure. Even now, you can be in that comforting relationship with the comforter who is also the mighty pillar of cloud and fire. If you stick close to your leader, you will have rest. Again, think of why God leads with a pillar. Why would God lead with a pillar of cloud? I admit, I never thought about it until this last week. I'm like, why would God lead with a pillar? I mean, like, lead with a Lamborghini. No, lead with a pillar. Why a pillar? Because what does a pillar do? Talk to me. What does a pillar do with a building? Yeah. Holds things up. Where do you find pillars in the Bible? It turns out there are pillars in the tabernacle. It turns out that there are pillars in the temple. There are pillars wherever you have some kind of important structure that needs to be held up. So what does it mean that a pillar is leading you, brother and sister? It means the pillar is going to hold you up. You will have a foundation. You will be secure because there is a pillar before you. And God keeps on saying to you, trust me, I will keep you safe and secure. And that means rest. I think we've already established that rest doesn't mean things are always easy. It doesn't mean things are predictable. But rest means you are safe in the presence of God. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so I ask, are you restless this morning? Are you like Chris McCandless, directionless, in need of a leader? Follow the Holy Spirit. He is God himself who is there to give you rest, 
to solve your restlessness by leading you. He knows the way. He knows how to guide. And maybe you're missing that direction in your life, or maybe you're missing that relational pillar in your life. Again, follow the leader. Follow the Holy Spirit. He loves you, and he knows how to abide. May I share with you just one last point? Here's the Easter egg. Do you guys like Easter eggs? Are you the ones who like, you kind of geek out, you watch the movie over again because you're like, ooh, what are the secrets in there? Like the better movies, they have these little Easter eggs. Here you go. Here's the Easter egg of the text, folks. The Holy Spirit leads us to the true earthly leader. The true, you mean like the next, next presidential candidate? No. No, he leads us to the true earthly leader. Where is it in the text? Look at 33, verse 11. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Joshua was always there with the pillar. When the pillar was there on the ground, Joshua was always there because Joshua lived there in the tent of meeting. I would have thought that Moses would have stayed there, but Moses doesn't. This guy named Joshua stays there. And it clearly says there he would not depart. Holy Spirit would not depart, and Joshua would not depart. This Joshua son of Nun was the steward of the tabernacle and the one who lived in the rest of God. And if you know the rest of the story, who leads the people into the land? Joshua does with the, purit, with the pillar right in front of him, right? Do you see where this is going? Those who dwell in the presence of God, yep, they become leaders. The Holy Spirit can equip. But more than that, the Holy Spirit leads us to the true leader. And here's something that you might not see at first, but you, sh- you need to know. The name Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua, when it's translated into Greek, is the name Jesus. Who is the one who dwells in the presence of the Most High? Who is the one who teaches the way of God? Who is the one who has power to cast out demons and raise the dead and lead into the promised land? Yeshua. And again, we remember it was Jesus who gave up his life on the cross to take away our sins. It was Jesus who rose from the dead on the third day. It was this Jesus who makes it possible for you and me to enter God's eternal rest. And you may not be familiar with the Holy Spirit this morning, or you may be intimidated by this to let the Holy Spirit into your life. Folks, don't be intimidated, but go to the one who can show you what it means to live life after the Holy Spirit. Go to Jesus. The Spirit's pointing you there, and Jesus will teach you what it means to live in the Spirit, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Repent and believe in this Yeshua, this Jesus, and you will always, always have the pillar with you. Will you pray with me?
Holy Spirit, we pray, lead on. We don't necessarily know what's going on in this season of our church collectively, and there are many of us who don't know exactly what's going on in our individual lives, but Holy Spirit, lead on. Burn brightly before us, we'll follow you. Lead us, we pray. Lead us to Jesus and to your eternal rest. We give our lives over to you. We make this pledge to you in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.